All right, well, we are just finishing up the sermon series on being salty Christians. And so today I want to talk about something that is really important to me, something that is needed to be addressed by the church and by our nation, which is mental health. Talking about anxiety, depression, paranoia, hypochondria, mental health. Let me give you some stats real fast. One in five adults in the United States suffer from some form of mental illness. That's 40 million Americans. Youth mental health across our nation is worsening. There's a 3% rise in severe depression among youth. And one of the biggest things is that it is still incredibly stigmatized. If you're somebody who suffers from anxiety or depression, or paranoia or suicidal thoughts, hypochondria, one of those issues, oftentimes it is viewed as weakness. And oftentimes within the church, it's viewed as a lack of faith. Now, nothing could be farther from the truth. We are all broken, amen? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. This one's gonna be short, sweet, and to the point, but this topic is incredibly important to me. I'm somebody who has, who has struggled my entire life with anxiety, depression, and at one point in my life, suicidal urges, and it's hard. Now God took it away, and he moved me from a place where I was struggling with it on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, to something where it just occurs every now and then. And let me tell you, when God moves you from one place to another, when he takes something like that away, when he provides his grace, his goodness, and his practicality, that evidently, it is something that makes you want to spend your entire life thanking him. And so let me start off with saying this, that not everybody in this congregation will understand what I talk when I, when I say things like being anxious or being paranoid or being depressed but I guarantee you that somebody in your life struggles from this. And I guarantee you somebody really close to you does. And it's just hard to talk about. Now, what I wanna go ahead and do is give three things that we as Christians, we as people in this church should not say and will not do. We should not look at somebody who struggles with, with mental illness and look at them and say, it's just a season. It's just a period of time, it'll pass. Now, even if that is true, that is one of the most indelicate things to say to somebody. Hey, don't worry, your now's not important because your later will be better. But it is a common thing, telling somebody it's just a season is one of those Christian buzzwords that we like to fall back on. No. Be with people in the now. Man, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So walk with somebody in the now. If we remember in the story of Job, Job's friends didn't get in trouble until they opened their mouths. So let's just walk beside people. And sometimes the best thing to say is not a thing. The second thing we should not do or should not say to people struggling with mental illness within the church is... Just pray more, have more faith. You just need to pray more. 
People who struggle with mental illness oftentimes have the best prayer lives of anybody. I know many people who have lapped me in my prayer life because they are on their knees every night praying for God to take away the anxiety, the depression, the pain. And so it's not a lack of faith. And we as a church need to tell people, hey, it's okay. We are all broken. The last thing, and you've heard me harp on this a million times, don't tell somebody you're going to pray for them if you're not going to pray for them. That does so much damage. So if we say to somebody, we will pray for you, man, pray for them. So those are the three things. Don't, the do nots, do not tell somebody it's just a season. Do not tell somebody to just have more faith, to just pray more. And do not tell somebody that you're going to pray for them if you're not going to pray for them. Okay. Now let's get into this, this meat of this sermon. This, this, this practicality of, of what the Bible has to say about mental illness. Now, if this was about two weeks ago, I would have given a completely different sermon. Because I have preached a sermon to myself my entire life, and I have preached a sermon to others, but within the last two to three weeks, it has become evidently clear to me that that sermon that I've been preaching to myself and to others has been wrong. And so naturally, I'm going to preach that sermon to you right now. Turn with me to Genesis 32. Genesis 32, 22 through 32. I guarantee you, you have heard something along these lines before Genesis 32 22 through 32 now a little context of this story Jacob is about to meet his brother Esau who he has been very very unkind to stolen his birthright done a lot of things that would make somebody mad at you and he's worried he's going to die and so he is being he has prepared himself to die. He sent everything he owns across one side. and He's sitting in a tent by himself waiting for daybreak so that he can meet his brother Esau. Now, in this tent, in this waiting period, he wrestles with God. And let's read from 22. That same night he arose and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabuk. He took them and sent them across the stream. And, had ev and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to them, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Okay, if this was two weeks ago and I was, when I was preaching on mental illness, 
or if I was given advice on mental illness, what I'd tell you is to read that passage and I'd say this very inspiring speech about how we just need to wrestle with God. You know how, how Jacob, when he's in that tent and he's wrestling with God, God can beat him at any time. I mean, at the very end, the man just touches the hip socket of Jacob and it puts it out of place. If, if he wants to, he snap his fingers and turn him into dust. But he wants to wrestle with him. And he wants to make him stronger. And you know, it hurts when we're wrestling with God. And you know, Jacob had to limp for the rest of his life out of, because of this wrestling match. And sometimes we'll come away with a limp or with a few scars, but we just need to wrestle with God and it'll make us stronger. That sounds pretty good, right? Like that'll preach. Like if I throw in a couple funny stories and some witty anecdotes, that, that could be, you know, that could be a decent, put that in my back pocket. The only problem with that sermon, the only problem with that line of thinking is that it's wrong. It's not correct. Because absolutely, sometimes we need to wrestle with God. But anxiety, depression, paranoia, suicidal thoughts, that ain't God. That's not coming from God. God brings justice, mercy, peace, patience, joy, all the goodness in this world. Not anxiety, depression, hurt, pain, brokenness. So why would I sit here and tell you to wrestle with God when you need to do the exact opposite? See, the truth is we don't need to be wrestling with those things. Any self-help book you read about depression or anxiety or, or restructuring your brain or neuroplasticity or any of this stuff is going to tell you to engage, engage these things, wrestle with these things, wrestle with anxiety, paranoia, depression, hurt, suicidal thoughts. Don't. It ain't worth wrestling with. It ain't from God. So we do not need to follow in the example of an example that has not been set. Jacob's wrestling with God. He's not wrestling with these things. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But first, let me just point something out that we as human beings are tempted by two forces internal and external. We struggle with two forces, internal and external. We fight against our flesh and we fight against evil, darkness, the enemy. So we're struggling against ourselves and we're struggling against this world. Now, I don't know where anxiety and depression and mental illness come from. I don't know if that's coming from us or that's coming from the world, but it doesn't really matter because the answer of how to deal with it is the same. So let's get in to the practical real fast, to the nitty gritty. I'm going to give you three tips, three things to do, three practices to practice if you struggle with mental illness, but they're also just good practices even if you don't. Two of them are going to sound incredibly simple and it's, and it's going to be normal and everything's going to be fine. And the third one is going to get a little weird. So let's just get into the two easy ones real fast. The first one is you gotta name what you're struggling with. Name it. Give it a name. Throughout the Bible, we see this thing happen where naming, naming things give you power over that thing. When God created man and woman and gave them dominion over the animals, what did he do? He allowed them to name all of the animals. We see this too in Exodus, when Moses is, is in front of the burning bush and Moses is like, hey, God, 
who should I say sent me? What's your name? And Moses is, and God responds to Moses is, I am. Now, God isn't telling Moses there that his name is I am. God is telling Moses there, no, 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 no. You don't get to name me. I name you. I named Adam. I named Eve. I've named humanity. Humanity does not get to name me, does not get to have power, dominion over me. We see that within the story, too. Jacob, wrestling with this man, says, what is your name? And God's response back to him, why do you ask me my name? I'm not going to tell you my name. You don't get to name me. So when we name our problems, when we name what we're struggling with, when we name what we're anxious about, when we name what we're depressed about, when we name our issues, we then get power over them. Okay? The second thing, this is going to sound corny, but one of the most powerful things throughout all of Scripture is song. It's song. So the advice is to sing. Now, Throughout the Bible, singing has this incredible power where we see Paul and Silas when they're in prison, in chains, man, they start singing. What happens? There's an earthquake that shakes the ground. We see in Ephesians, we are commanded to sing spiritual songs to help push back the darkness. And in 2 Chronicles, there's this guy named Jehoshaphat who actually puts choir boys on the front line of his battle. And they win. Now, not the best military strategy, but at the same time, the, the, the message is clear to sing to fight the enemy. So name your problems and sing spiritual songs, and that'll help you deal with this. Now, the third one and the final thing, again, this is going to be a little weird for some, but let's think about this, right? God is past our five senses. Right? God is bigger than our five senses. So there is this metaphysical part of Christianity. There's something beyond us, something beyond this world. And so meditate on Scripture. Meditate on Scripture. Now, I've given a list of verses. I want everybody to look at this. Notice something real fast. I'm just going to read a couple of them. I'm just going to bounce around. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn of salvation, my stronghold. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Notice something. These verses are not saying God is my sword, my club my hammer, my axe, my gun. No, no. It's saying God is my fortress, my stronghold. You don't attack with a fortress. You don't throw castles at people. You retreat into a castle. You retreat into a stronghold, into a fortress. We've been talking about these paradoxes all throughout the Christian faith. Well, here's another one. If you retreat, you will find victory. When you are struggling with these problems, do not wrestle with them. Retreat into your fortress. Retreat into your stronghold, which is the presence of God. 
Now, this is that weird part that I'm talking about. This means meditation, meditating on the word of God. The best way to do it, the best way that I've found to do it at least, is pick one of these verses and say it over and over and over slowly. Get your breath with it as well. Breathe in, say part of it. Breathe out, say the other part. It'll lose all its meaning and soon you'll just be talking, but you'll be resting with the presence of God. All that you will be will be focused on the word of God. You will be in your fortress. Now, the Bible tells us to be still. And being still is hard and it's very uncomfortable because when we're still, we don't like it. We always want to be doing something. But when we're still, we can retreat back into the fortress. Now, the best way I've ever really heard it described is it's like a stormy day when you have anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, paranoia, whatever, mental illness in general. It's like a thunderstorm that's crashing down on you. Rain is hitting you in the face. You're terrified of the wind of the storm and you're so powerless against it. So retreat back on the front porch. Sit in a screened in place next to God on a rocking chair and just let it pass. Just let it pass. Just hang out with God until it blows away. Because it will. Because it can't hit you in there. Why do we go out in the midst of the storm and start shaking our fist? And we're just going to get waterlogged. We need to retreat to find strength. Now we're going to practice this. At the very end of this sermon, we're going to practice this. Because I don't want to just tell people to do things without ever giving the how. So keep this with you. And at the very end, we're going we're gonna to explain how to do it. We're going to talk about it. But right now, I want to enter into a time of communion. Because God is our fortress because Jesus has paid the way for it. You have been bought with a price by the Son of God. And he loves you so much. Let's remember that with the discipline of communion right now. Beth, if you would 